Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to come before you, to represent you. Lord, I ask that not my words, but your words, not my thoughts, but your thoughts. To you be the glory. Lord, thank you again for this opportunity to speak on your behalf. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, first of all, good morning. I um, want to tell you that uh, one of my favorite things to do in my pastime, if there is such a thing, is to go out into the woods, into the Blue Mountains here in Pennsylvania, and I, I love to look at white-tailed deer. It's just one of those things that I love to do. More specifically, I love to uh, watch the male deer or the buck here in Pennsylvania. I like to see how over time uh, their, their horns grow into this magnificent, uh, if you will, thing that's on top of their head. And, and so as I'm out there in the woods, as I'm out there in the woods, I'll, I'll see this, this buck over there and I'll think, well, that's, that's a pretty nice buck. And then... It might be the same day, it might be weeks later, that I'll see another buck, and I'll go, oh, I have to do a mine reset. That's a really nice buck there. Several months ago, myself and Elder Tom were privileged to go out to El Paso, Texas, and when we landed in El Paso, Texas, we landed at the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Now, if you, compare, if you compare the Blue Mountains of Pennsylvania to the Rocky Mountains, there is no comparison. You have to do a mind reset as far as what does a true mountain look like. This time of year, this time of year, we have flowers growing in our flower beds. And, and you know, I, I've seen some really nice flower beds here in Pennsylvania, but my wife and I were privileged to be able to go to, on our honeymoon to Hawaii. And when you compare the flower beds that you grow here in Pennsylvania to the flower beds that are grown in Hawaii, there is no comparison. You have to do a mind reset on what does a beautiful flower bed look like. Later on in our year, we'll be celebrating holidays, Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day, and at the end of the holiday, they generally do a fireworks display, and at the end of any fireworks display, they do what's known as a grand finale. And when you look at the grand finale, you think, boy, that's, that's, that's a real nice set of fireworks there. And a couple years ago, my wife and family, were, we were privileged to go down to Disney and see a, the fireworks display at Disney, and you will definitely have to do a mind reset on what does a nice display, beautiful display of fireworks truly look like. Again, we are in Philippians chapter 3 today, and the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi. The Apostle Paul is in prison, and he's reflecting on things that have happened in his life. And he starts off in verse 3, 
the very beginning of verse 3, he says this. He says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, in the ESV version, it ends with a period at the end of that sentence. In other versions, it ends with an exclamation point. When I was first studying on, on just this one sentence, I thought we could camp here just in this one sentence, just in these first couple words. When you realize what the Lord has done for you and I, rejoice in the Lord, period. No matter what's coming your way today, no matter what came in your way, your, your way uh, yesterday, rejoice in the Lord, period. Just rejoice there. If you have breath in your lungs, rejoice in Him. I once heard a pastor make this statement, and he said, if the only thing that Jesus ever did for you and I was to save us from hell, that's enough. That is enough. Colossians 3.2, we, 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 we read this as our verse, but it says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are here on this earth. Just this past week, I was in Kentucky. Uh, our, the leadership was in Kentucky. And, and when we got to Kentucky, of course, all of us had our suitcases. And we opened our suitcases and we basically live out of our suitcases during the week. Why? We're not part of Kentucky. We're only, we're only visiting Kentucky. We're not here. We're not here. We don't belong here. It's the same way. It's the same way when, with you and I in this world that we're living in. We're just passing through. Don't get all wrapped up around, don't get all wrapped around the axle over things that are happening here in our world. We, we have a much higher calling. We're only here for a little bit. We're only here for a little bit. A couple months ago, we attended a funeral. And after the funeral of this lady who has gone on to be with the Lord, I heard this comment. You know, while she was here, while she was here, this was the only experience of hell that she ever would have experienced. Now she's in eternal heaven. Flip it. If the only thing that you're living for is the here and now, this is the only bit of heaven that you'll ever see. Matthew 6.33 says this. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm a highlighter and an underliner in my Bible. I would highly recommend this in that passage of Scripture if you care to do so. And oh, by the way, this did not come from me. This came from a five-year-old girl that taught me. Okay? We were, I was supposed to be teaching her. She taught me. Five years old. She said this. Mr. Dan, you have to underline and you have to highlight things if you want it to matter. 
Look at this word, okay. But seek first. Underline that word first. Underline that word first and highlight that word in your passage of Scripture. And then the next word I'm going to ask you to underline and highlight, the word is His. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And then all them other little incidentals, they'll follow. They will. Everything will follow in line. When we seek Him first, when we ask Him first in our everything, in our everything. Moving on into verses 5 and 6, he said, Paul is describing himself where he once was. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul is owning his past. He's owning his past. In all of our past, in all of our past, we will have the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is here is that Paul says that he was, he was a Pharisee. The Pharisees knew the Bible inside and out. They knew about God, but did they know Jesus? They studied about God, but did they know Jesus? It's entirely possible, it's entirely possible for us to know the Bible inside and out and not experience Jesus. I say this for this reason. When I was in Israel, when I was in Israel, they used the Bible for this reason. They used the Bible as an accurate historical document. Get that? They used the Bible as an accurate historical document. But not every one of those archaeologists knew the Bible. I mean, who the Bible was truly all about. Own your past. So a little story on my own. My neighbor, about three, five years ago, had a vehicle for sale. Now, he had worked with me about 30 years previous. When I stopped to look at his vehicle that was for sale, when I stopped to look at his vehicle for, that was for sale, um, in the conversation, I mentioned that I was coming home from church, and he all but stopped in his tracks, and he looked at me and he goes, you? Church? What happened? So it's important for us to own our past. By that I mean you can tell, now you can tell him, yes, I once own your past. Don't deny your past. Yes, I once did that kind of thing. Yes, I once walked down that road. But praise be to God, he came into my life and he changed me. And it's an open door invitation for you to, to, to share what he has done in your life and what, what he has done for you. It's, don't, don't bury your past. Own it. Own it. Moving on. Philippians 3, 7 through 10. Paul is talking about how 
once he changed his mindset from knowing about God to knowing about Jesus, things changed. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul was a very learned man. He knew the Bible inside and out. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, Back in those days, they didn't just give you a name just to give you a name. It had meaning. So, let's do this. Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin. Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was the, out of that came the very first king in Israel. And his name was Saul. Exactly. What was Paul's name before he was converted? Saul. Exactly. Exactly. So, he said that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. Let that sink in for a little bit. On my end, I obviously don't have the Apostle Paul's story, but kind of, sort of, the same. When I was in the military, I was in the military for 32 years. In, I tell you that only for this reason. Okay, so in those years, I received a lot of awards and a lot of decorations, a lot of accommodations and so and so promotions. And, and so I have, if you will, a, a significant stack of awards and decorations. During my time in the military, what what generally happened amongst some of the people is they wanted, to, they wanted you to know when you stepped into their office or into their cubicle who exactly you were talking to. So what they would do is behind them, behind their desk, they would post all their awards and all their decorations so that way you knew who you were talking to. I called it the glory wall. Okay, and the glory wall, uh, basically, like, if you, if, if, if I cared to, I suppose I could, I could decorate a wall in, with, with my glory. And so the Apostle Paul, before, decorated his wall with his glory, with things that he had accomplished, with things that he had done. And here he's telling us, it all came down. I took it all down. It's the same way that you and I. Yes, we, God gave us those talents. God gave us that IQ. God gave us, God put us in all these situations. But when we realize what Jesus has done for us, when, Jesus, when we realize what Jesus has done for us, everything counts as loss. Everything counts as loss. Romans 12.2 Romans 12, 2, I, I, I love this verse because I, I want you to, to, here's another one that I would love you to highlight and underline in. 
Okay? Romans 12.2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The first word that I would want you to underline and highlight is the word conformed. The word conformed. It's entirely possible in this congregation right now that someone is sitting here and they are conforming to coming to church. It's a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But you quite possibly don't know Jesus. Conformed conformed is an outside thing. I put on nice clothes. I, I, I come to church in shiny shoes or whatever. I conform. The next word that I would want you to underline and highlight is the word transformed. Transformed. Transformed is internal. That's when you take head knowledge and it goes to heart. And now it's no longer about I, I, I know to stop at the stop sign and now I will stop at the stop sign. When you conform, and when, you, when you're transformed, it's all about, I, I don't, as, as, as someone has, has said so well, is I no longer have to come to church. Now I get to come to church. I no longer have to raise my children. Now I get to raise my children. I no longer have to do good deeds. Now I get to do good deeds. So, do you see the difference? There, there is a huge difference when we conform to be transformed. To be transformed. It's, it's, it's an awesome thing when He transforms us. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, He will transform us until our very last day. He will transform us to our very last day. There, there'll, there'll be more and more that He'll reveal to you as we daily walk with Him. In verses 12 through 14, Paul tells us that we need to press on. We need to press on. He says this, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is great beauty in this passage in this. Super Saint Paul, the one that wrote 13 books of the New Testament, says that he has to press on. He has to press on. Isn't there great beauty in that? Knowing that, you know, sometimes we wake up and, and you know, hey, it's not the best of days. And we just know that we, we got to dig deep. We got to press on. We got to press on. Even Super Saint Paul had those same identical issues. Verse 13, I call that my windshield verse. My windshield verse. Look what it says. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
Live your life through the windshield and not the rearview mirror. Live your life through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. You will never change your yesterday. Learn from your past, yes. Learn from your past, but press on. Press on. Verses 15 through uh, 17, he says this. He said, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. You notice in verse 15, he says, let those of us who are mature. It doesn't say, let those of us who are free from sin. Those of us who never sin anymore, who never make mistakes anymore. He just says, let those of us who are mature. He says that that God will reveal this and you only hold true to what we have obtained. This is not in your notes. It's not on the PowerPoint, but this is a verse that came to me uh, later on yesterday. So I'm going to put it in there. So if you want to write this on your notes, you can. John 28 through 30. John 28 through 30. This is one of those verses that, that you want to you, you grasp, you want to hold on to, okay? It's, it's, it's just one of those nuggets that you, you, you want to have in your, in your pocket. John, 20, John 10, 28 through 30. It says this about what uh, Paul is saying here. This is Jesus speaking here. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. In verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Jesus says that if you're in his hand, if if you are in his hand, if you are a child of God, he will never let you go. Hold on to those promises. Hold on to those promises. Verse 17, it says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So here's my question. Who are you hanging with? Who are you spending time with? When I was a boy, I worked at a grocery store, and there was a, a short time, a couple weeks, where they didn't have anybody to work in the seafood department. And so they asked me if, if I could work in the seafood department. It was a pretty easy job. All I had to do is they tell me what they want, I put it on the scale, mark the bag, and out they go. There was just one problem with working in the seafood department. See, when, when, when I left my place of work, my place of work didn't leave me. When I got home, when I got home, everything had to go in the laundry, okay? I hung with the fish all day long. I smelled like a fish all day long, okay? My, my, my thing that I'm trying to drive home here is who are you hanging with? 
It was said this morning up in our men's class that I loved what he said. He said, if you hang around a barbershop long enough, sooner or later, you're going to get a haircut. <laughs> so who are you hanging with? Who are you hanging with? Okay. There was a time, I'll say 20 years ago, here in this church, where this guy here was probably whining a little bit too much and was down in the dumps perhaps a little too much. And dear sweet Carol Pearson came up to me, put her arm around me, and she said, I don't think you know Psalm 1. I'm like, Psalm 1? What, what, what's, what's Psalm 1? She said, all your answers to all your problems are found in Psalm 1. I'm like, okay, sounds great. How many verses? Because, you know. Anyway, she said it's only six verses. Oh, I can do read six verses. Perhaps sometime I'll preach on Psalm 1, but if you camp in Psalm 1, if you camp in Psalm 1, it's a really short read. But if you camp in Psalm, Psalm 1, it's amazing the transformation that Psalm 1 will do for you and I. It starts with blessing and it ends with cursing. I'll just let it there. I'll just let it there. So, moving on. Verses 18 and 19, a dose of reality. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. They're their minds set on earthly things. It's entirely possible for some people within church walls to view the church as a great place to do business. Because it's all about them. It's entirely possible for people, I'll say it again, within church walls to, shall you say, make connections within the community so that they get better. Church is not about you. Church is all about Him. Church is all about Him. I love how the Apostle Paul, in my mind, he's, again, back to myself, I spent 32 years in the military, and on average, on average, um, every two to three years, I would, get a, I would get a new commander. And over the years, I learned that there were two types of commanders. The first type of, com uh, of commander was an actual commander. And then the other type of commander was the person that sat in the commander's seat. A true commander learned his troops, learned his people, learned their strengths, learned their weaknesses, and took his, took his commands from someone higher than himself and did whatever he could to make sure that the mission was carried out and we did what the higher wanted us to do. The other person 
was all about, if you will, the God of me. If the God of me is happy, me's happy. And anyway, the Apostle Paul here, he's giving us a dose of reality. He's saying just because, just because they, 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 they attend this seminar, just because they go to this, shall you say, this Christian meeting, watch, watch. Jesus says, by their fruits you shall know them. So the Apostle Paul is just letting us know that we need to stay focused on him, the bigger picture. At the end of, of Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, I like how he brings it right back. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to, to, uh, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Two of my favorite words that, that, that I love to, again, highlight, underline in the Bible, and those two words are simply this, but God. If you look at verse 20, you will see it, but and then it says, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we invite our Lord Jesus Christ into any of our situations, it, it changes. It has to change. That situation absolutely has to change. may not be overnight, but it will change. He, he will absolutely change our situations that we are in. So, I started off by saying that in verse 3, one, it says this. It says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord, period. Rejoice in the Lord, period. He's the one that we keep our eyes on. He's the one that we focus on. He's the one that we're going to answer to on that day. And then when we get in that day, you can sing that song. I stand in the presence of Jesus, of Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. I mean, we all live for that day. I can't wait to get to that day. And until then, we press on. So, if you would, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then Pastor John will be coming up to lead us in our next part of our service. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to represent you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the seed that you gave, Lord, that it goes into fertile soil, Lord, and it, Lord, and it just starts to grow. It starts to grow. Lord, I ask that you uh, speak through Pastor John as he gives us the rest of our, our, our service here today, Lord. Again, Lord, Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do for us on a daily basis. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.